This is the Husky Half Brain Show, where Race Bannon and iDog discuss all things Husky. Episode 2, October 25th, 2007. Half Brain here. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. I've been spending the last couple of hours on the I've got a little bit of revolution music here. <laughs> are you ready? Are you up for the gig? I'm up. It's, um, you know, I'd like to say that it's, uh, we're reluctant revolutionaries. We didn't want it this way, anyway. I mean, let's be honest. So, uh, no, we didn't want to be. I mean, 30 games in, I would have hoped by now that there would have been enough to please, easy to please guys like us to where we'd just be doing the usual same old stuff that we've always done. Um, you know, messing around on the message boards, criticizing coaches. I mean, heck, that's nothing new. Uh, our Rose Bowl year, which I think is the only Rose Bowl in the internet era, you know, there was, a, there was plenty of criticism after games and, you know, slow starts, come from behind wins, unprepared, you know, bad defense. Uh, actually, you know, looking back, it was fun to criticize wins. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, like if we da- if we continue down this path, we're not going to be in the Rose Bowl. I mean, I-, I look back at those days and I start to think, man, you know, I, what, I, what, what would I do to trade those days, you know? And maybe I would just shut up. I mean, I know the Internet's fun and all, and but... Uh, my goodness, I'm I, I want to be for something now. I'm I'm tired of being against something. Yeah, I want to be for Husky football as we know it. And let's clarify the record on that, uh, because one of the easy ways to try to marginalize critics of the current regime is to say, well, Washington's never been a, a top ten school every year. Washington's never. <laughs> won the Rose Bowl every year. Washington's only won one national championship in their history. All of which is true, and none of which is what we're asking. There's a standard that was established starting in 1975, which is 32 years ago, and we'll get into before that if we need to, but the standard is top three in the Pac-10 every year. Seven wins is a rebuilding year. Eight to nine to ten wins is a good year. There's a you know, they came in bunches, but six BCS bowls in 17 years is one every three years on average, a conference championship. One of those BCS bowls was the Orange Bowl, which wasn't a conference championship. But basically, every three or four years, we should win the conference being a BCS bowl. Okay, and like I said, they'll come in bunches. Like, you know, from 70, the 80 and the 81 Rose Bowl, well, then the 80s got a little slim, 84 Rose Orange Bowl, then the 85, 86, 87, 88. Yeah, four years, but you know, never a losing record, was there? Six right. and five, people thought the world was going to end. And Don James was good enough to understand that, hey, you know what, maybe I shouldn't just keep doing the same things year after year. Maybe I shouldn't just have the same staff. Maybe I should look at me, my staff, my approach, everything with the program. Look what happened when you did that. Absolutely, and, and the, the thing about him is... Um... Uh, he was never afraid to change. Even before his, you know, transformation in the late '80s, he still came 
uh, into that 1984 Orange Bowl with a very, very innovative and simple um, game plan. And, uh, I, you know, I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he, he had only two down linemen and he added a linebacker in order to, to account for the option play. And then he had a real simple offensive scheme that if, um, there, if there are nose guard, who I think was Castillo at the time, if he lined up over the center, then they were going to run the ISO play with Rick Finney uh, leading Jacques Robinson. If he lined up over the guard, they were going to trap him. It was so simple. I mean, they they didn't you know didn't even need the huddle. They 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 were just going to key on what their great defensive tackle was doing. And, and what was the point? And what was the point there? Okay, if you could go back, and you can, we can't right at the moment. Oklahoma was a college all-star team stocked with NFL players. Guess what? They had more talent than we do. You know what? We had less talent. We were the underdog. They were higher ranked, but we had the better coach. And you are exactly right in how you explained that game plan. He, Don James showed Barry Switzer to be the roll-the-ball-out kind of coach that he was. Coaching matters in college football. We say it all the time. It matters more than any other sport. And our guys... Our 1984 Huskies were not loaded with future NFL players. Okay, they were not overly talented. That was a that was a great football team, and we barely won most of our games all year. We had a horrible offense. We were lucky to score 20 points. Yeah, but you know what? We found a way to win every week because we had a coach. Yeah, that that whole um, I don't know if it's ascetic or that mindset where offense was an afterthought. Which is something you you know that we hardly can even imagine now in the modern day Pac-10. But it was always defense and special teams. You know that was sixty percent of the game. And uh, as long as the offense w- wasn't losing games for you, uh, that was that was okay. And then every once in a while you'd ask them to help out. But um, you know, well, the Pac-10 has changed, and even Don James today, and even Don James at the end of his career realized he needed a high-powered offense because there were going to be. There were going to be weeks when, no matter how good your defense was, they were going to get worked over. But fast forward it to, yeah, just fast forward it Saturday, where the excuses reigned. I'm just so happy that Don James didn't say, well, you know, he was Charlie White. He's the Heisman Trophy candidate. You know, uh, what can we do against him? Or, meh, he's Marcus Allen. My goodness, you know, a Heisman, you know, it's it's to be expected that he runs all over us. Or... You know, Emmett Smith, my goodness, he's so dang talented, doggone it. How are we going to be able to stop him? You know, Bob that... his first football against Michigan. We're 7-4, and four, right? Right. <laughs> Talk, we were unranked. They were highly ranked, highly talented. You know, can you imagine everybody said, look, you can't, ex- nobody expect us to go win the Rose Bowl. Which they, <laughs> to be honest, they probably didn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, once we started winning them by, you know, by the time where you're saying, yeah, we a lot of times played teams that had more talent or more NFL players or were higher ranked. I mean, part of the Husky lore was beating higher ranked teams and making sure they weren't higher ranked when they left. And in particular, taking making their best player invisible. And yeah. and you know, you just knew Don James just would take that guy away. Now I'm not saying you know, there I, I remember an Oklahoma State game where we didn't take their best player away, but I'm not yeah, saying or Stanford game <laughs> exactly, but I'm, I'm, but you know, given some time to prepare, and that's what's more frustrating now. Two weeks after we last talked, um, given some time to prepare, you know, he would 
he would take that first option away, you know. And going into that Arizona State game with Ty that had twice the time to prepare, and Erickson outcoached him by <laughs> twice or doubled doubled his coaching prowess. I mean, with half the time to prepare, Erickson just you know embarrassed us. You know, well, and for the for the second year in a row, Oregon came in where you had a pretty good idea they weren't going to be throwing the ball last year. Dixon was a little suspect this year. You know, all their receivers were out. Uh, sadly, though, I'm sure if they'd had to, they could have thrown the ball. But, the, the, you know, basically, if you're planning for them, you're thinking, well, they're probably going to run the ball on us. And 460 yards later, uh, looks like they ran the ball on us. And the, and, and, and suddenly, um, you know, coming out of the athletic department, the audacity for us to even, you know, even critique at all at this early juncture the era of Tyrone Willingham. And I'm sorry, man. You could be Western Kentucky State. If you give up 400 yards of rushing offense, I don't care who you are, you are going to be on the hot seat. You said the right word, the audacity. Audacity? Yeah. For, uh, for Todd to uh, come out and say, Ty, uh, Ty's getting rolling now. And for Ty to say, well, just give me some bullets. You know, if this was the first year, Hey, you know what? I I would have to agree with him. I'd have to say, hey, you know what? He's just getting rolling. Let Ty get some bullets. Okay, Ty's had three recruiting classes. I know none of them count if you're a Ty supporter. There's a reason why every class we shouldn't have expected anything, but that's where you get the bullets when you recruit. Nobody gives them to you. It, maybe that's the problem. Are we waiting for people to give us recruits? You know, you got to go out and get them. You got to sell the program. Got to sell yourself. You got to work hard at it. And no, I'm not saying Ty's lazy. I don't want to get in all that stuff. I'm just saying that his results recruiting show that he's not quite as good at it as uh, many of his peers here in the Pac-10, and that's really hurting us. But you know, and the, it's going the, to continue to hurt, and you can't say in year three that we're going to start now. The, <laughs> but 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 the lazy moniker was definitely definitely came out of um, the Notre Dame uh, fans. I mean, they. They they seem to think that the guy was lazy, and I certainly haven't heard of any uh, the type of lore that you hear from Tedford that the guy is sleeping in his his office. Now I'm, again, I don't know en- enough, but I don't know if we can dismiss that fact so easily. Uh, again, we don't have the proof to 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 really uh, well, I don't address know if it. You can it or not, I, you know, from what we know, and of course Todd's trump card is that we don't see all the wonderful things that Todd sees, so. We're, that's why we're half brains and, and and lunatics and basically should just shut up. We don't see everything. We don't know everything. But by every appearance, by every statement, by every action, I have yet to feel any urgency from the University of Washington in regards to winning football games at any set time in any near time frame. Have you? Not at all. That's that that whole thing. That's a, a key word. There's two words that. That, that spring to mind, and we'll talk about them both, but urgency is first and foremost. I, don't, I just think, you know, Ty doesn't seem to be feeling any kind of heat and no pressure. He's got he's got all the time in the world to, to, to uh, turn this thing around. And uh, the other one is expectations. And, again, we'll, you know, before, maybe we'll even do a Turner report, but the fact that he doesn't understand the difference between a Louisville or a, or a Kentucky versus an Oregon. I mean, it's it's just heartbreaking. 
I mean, yeah, well, you could at, at Kentucky. At Kentucky, you can have a coach take the seven-year plan because they've never won there before. But here, we're 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 in danger of losing our legacy because of these guys, and and there there should be an urgency, and there's an expectation that we will be near the top of the Pac-10 again. And I don't know if they get that memo or, or even understand that. We have to address Turner's comments before the Oregon game, during Oregon week, because it speaks to just how utterly clueless he is about Husky football, which the guy will admit, you know, I'm surprised about this, I'm surprised about that. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's surprised about a lot of things. But here's what he did. He did two things wrong. First of all, he used Ohio State, USC, and Oregon in the same sentence, okay? A Husky fan will tolerate an athletic director saying, well, gosh, we want to be like USC and Ohio State. We want to look like them. Yes. Okay. While we're saying, gosh, we should already be there, we should be closer, duh, you know, we'll tolerate that. We're not going to tolerate him putting Oregon in that elite category because they don't belong there. Um, I'll give them credit grudgingly. Uh, they got a pretty good ball club this year. Uh, but they won seven games last year, and we won five. Okay, they're not USC. They're not Ohio State. They're better than us, but who isn't? Okay, that was that was bad enough. Then he he he. he if that wasn't enough, here let me just go ahead and really kick you in the groin, fans. We want to be like Oregon. Okay, now can you imagine what Jim Lambright thought when he heard that? Absolutely. I mean, any 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 Husky fan from. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I call out Lambo because this guy basically got fired because he couldn't beat Oregon. There was other issues, um, other games, other problems. But I, I, to this day, think if he hadn't lost five of, well, he's only here six years, what, he lose four out of six to Oregon? Yes. Whatever it was? Yes. Um, that that ultimately, that's what got him fired, okay? Because that's why New Heisel got hired, because he could beat Oregon. He was an Oregon specialist. <laughs> he was an yeah. Oregon. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he and he, he earned it too, right? Yeah, well, so. yeah. That was the problem. By the time he was he left, that was about the only team we could beat. <laughs> only kidding. Exactly. But we could beat over yeah, by four and touchdowns. Gilby took that momentum. His first year, beat him forty-two to ten. I mean, yeah, we kind of had that Oregon thing settled there, which is why I always take a grain of salt. This, you know, how great Oregon is. Okay, I mean, they're having a great year. Whoop de do. Super. Well, let's okay. let's we let's wait. Let's wait till the end of the year. Before we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if we were any good at all, we wouldn't care about Oregon any more than we ever did, and that's just the bottom line. Yeah, well, so that was, you know, that was taught before Oregon, and then after Oregon, um, I didn't, I didn't really feel that there was a lot of angst about losing that. I, 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 as I explained to someone, I, Jake Locker was the shiny object that kept the uh, Husky fans' attention away from how that defense played. Okay. It was, kind of, it was fun watching Jake put 34 points on the board. There's no question about that. It's fun to watch long passes and long runs. Okay. But in the context of doing that while your defense is giving up 660 yards and 39 first downs and 55 points, and we all know it could have been worse if it needed to be, all right, the offense isn't so fun after all. Uh, you know, I, I tell you, if we'd scored 56 points, Oregon would have scored 60. I mean, whatever it took, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, and to me, the classic bad team is, gee, this week our defense played really good, but the offense wasn't there. And then, gee, this week the offense played really good, if only the defense could have played good. You know, it's always something, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, then what it, it adds up to is another loss. It's, and that's what I, I, I like to think of, you know, when I see a, a bad coaching staff, that's what I see is the inability to fix problems permanently. Yeah, they may, okay, our coverage team was good, you know, for two games. But you just know it'll it'll rear its ugly head and we'll give up a touchdown on a punt return or a kickoff return soon. Or, or you know, oh gosh, look at our... Um, Look at our run defense. We we only held we held them to 120 yards. Well, you know, next week it's going to be 300. And so yeah. it's it's like the, the 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 guy with the finger in the dike. I mean, he's trying. There's all these problems, and he, and Ty doesn't have enough fingers to to <laughs> to fix the cracks in the dike. And well, he, and he doesn't inspire confidence. I I've kind of rolled this around because if I'm honest with myself, I I don't know that. There's much any coach could say after a game like that or after five straight losses or, you know, after any loss where I'm going to feel a lot better about it. I, I'm not a good loser. I'll, I'll admit that right up front. So, How about I quit? Would that make you feel better? <laughs> How about falling on your sword? <laughs> you might have hit something there. Uh, that would have made me I feel better. Re- remarkably unable to make me feel any better because I never feel like he really knows quite what hit him. And, of course, Kent Bear is famous for that. Kent Bear will admit he has no idea what he just saw. And you get this whole general feeling from the coaching staff that they're kind of like scratching their heads like, shit, what, what happened out there? Dang it. You know, it's, so you don't really feel like they're going into next week like it's going to be that much better. Okay, so I guess right now we're hanging our hat on the, fan, on the fact that, gosh, we're playing some horrible teams now. We should be able to win. Excuse me, but... That doesn't excite me. I mean, I'd like to win. I'd rather win than lose. I hope they are horrible enough for us to beat them. But in the third year of a of a rebuilding program, that's a pretty faint expectation right there, isn't it? That a team has to be really bad for us to think that we should beat them. Yeah, and and what's really bad is that the the goodwill is sucked out of the program to such a degree that, and he has backed himself on talking tie into a corner that these are almost all must-wins. Had he won even seven of the close games that he had over the last three years, I mean, one of those seven or two of those seven, I think the heat would have been off of him to a degree. I mean, I, I really believe that. But just time and time again, we've got so close and not gotten victories that now we're, now we're, now, now we're really into a kind of red alert status with this guy. And, um, and, and I, he doesn't inspire confidence. And then really, if I look back at his track record, is there any way this guy's going to win five of six? I'd love to think that maybe he's, he's looking in the mirror and trying to do something different, but he's, even if he's prepared for most of them, which is a big if he's, you know, he's going to come out with at least two of those games flat and he's going to lose one or two of those games that you know, that we're probably favored in. See Stanford last year. I don't understand why people think we'd be favored over Oregon State to begin with at Corvallis, even here. Um, I I don't understand that. The the big question is, you know, besides the coaches not inspiring confidence that they can win five out of six and probably, without looking, I probably didn't shoot off the top of my head. I'd be surprised if Ty has done that maybe once. I don't know, maybe that started no, that started at Notre Dame, right? He won like eight in a row, right, at the start of the year. Yeah, but, with an offense that didn't score anything. They, they won a, yeah. a, bunch, a bunch of games by having um, 
you know, some turnovers, um, ran back and good field position. I don't want to take it away. But, but, right, uh, but I'm just trying to find somewhere where he won five out of six. I, obviously, that would be a year, and that might be the only one because most of his years are pretty, you know, either losing records or pretty close to 500 where you wouldn't see it. If there was a winning streak like that, there would have had to been a corresponding losing streak with it. So, you know, there's that. And then there's, do they still have the team? You know, do the players still believe in the coaches? Do the players feel like Turner rolled them under the bus with his comments on us not looking like the teams were playing and Ty saying he needs bullets? You know, we went through this with Gilby. We know the players quit on him because they felt that he rolled them under the bus. I'm really trying hard to find some differences between Husky football right now and Husky football under Keith Gilbertson. And the only thing I can come up with is that we're actually a little bit worse if you take Gilby's first year into consideration. And we're just the same, really, if you just take Gilby's whole career into situation. It's both his years. Right. You, you, uh, you, put, you, give, you give Gilby Locker his last year, he's, he's, probably, he's probably better than, than Ty. Right? I mean, I know yeah, that's a big if, but, that, but that's been brought up a handful of times. Is that The really only difference is that the, up, the huge upgrade in – in quarterback, but um, and we yeah, talked when Gilby had a ticket. Remember when Gilby had a ticket, right? Six and six. Now we lost in Nevada. We gave up seven hundred yards to Cal. I mean, there was there were some real down times there. But we won the last three games of the year. We beat the top five team, even if it was the Cougs, which I, you know, to me that's like a top five team. Yeah, chuckle, chuckle. But I feel the same way about Oregon being a top five team. You know, the Cougs were a top five team. We beat them. And, you know, won three in a row, finished six and six. Ty's never finished. He hasn't won six games here in a year yet. He still could this year race. You know, I know he could. Uh, But, you know, that first year at Gilbert's was better than anything Ty has done. That's just a fact. Right. And so. Ty's wins, his nine wins have not come over marquee opponents other than UCLA, which almost doesn't count, but I'll give him credit for it because I, I want to be fair. But, you know, UCLA, they can lose to anyone, and they lost to us. Right. But other than that, what's it been, you know? Just uh, exactly. And giving up the same type of yards, the kind of, you know, more uh, coach-defining moment. You mentioned Cal back in the Gilby era, and they're 700 yards. I don't really think there is much difference uh, between that game and last Saturday's game, uh, about forty yards. Yeah, would be the difference. And, and you know, at least Tedford uh, was getting some yards through the air. I mean, you can usually rack up some yards through the air. I, I don't know if I've ever seen uh, that many yards with a dominant running game. That's, the other thing. That, uh, that is, that, doesn't a running game typically eat up the clock? <laughs> well, thank God it did. <laughs> you know, we'd probably still be out there. Uh, the other thing is, Cal scored 56 points here, Ty's first year to set the opponent's scoring record, and post starting moved into second place with 55 points on Saturday. So the two worst point efforts by the Husky defense in the history of Husky Stadium are on Ty's watch. It sounds eerily familiar to the 30-plus point loss that we hear, or losses that we heard at in Notre Dame, doesn't it? Well, it does. Uh, and, and, you know, give Jake and... Lapano and, and the offense and tie credit for 34. And so, you know, it wasn't 55 to nothing. It wasn't 65 to seven. You know, it wasn't 54 to nothing or whatever that 700 yard game was. I mean, but it, I mean, how like did, I say, that's the shiny object, you know, is okay, the offense scored some points. But that's what's funny about it is that, you know, had, had Ty just shut up about it, we'd probably 
tip our hat to him and say, good offensive plan. But then post-game he says, well, our plan really wasn't that. <laughs> the successful plan wasn't. It was really to, you know, to eat up the clock and keep their offense off the field. So now you're starting to think, was it part of his plan at all? Or if it was just Jake just being, you know, you know, tired of losing and making plays. Well, Locker had said that he was, that Lohano told him they could hit big plays against Oregon, and he was glad that Tim called him, and, and that was their plan. So, you know, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, and the coach saying three, you know, two different things as far as what the plan was. I think Ty was just scrambling to say anything to cover up what his defense had done. And I also think that if defense had one guy, like Jake Locker, they might have showed up and played. You know, I will not say that they quit. They never started. Locker won't let the offense play like that. They'll struggle. They'll have their problems. They, you can shut them down if you have a good enough defense, which, by the way, Oregon doesn't. But Locker, Locker doesn't care who his coach is. He doesn't care what circumstances are. He, he's the type of player that we need about, you know, 84 more of. Well, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I've bantered back and forth. What Locker signifies to me is how much difference one player makes. I've mentioned that before. Boy, if we just had one guy on the defense that would just make a play and inspire them, you know, I think. And not let them quit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know where that guy's going to come from, but he's not there well, now. That, that's the whole question on, on Coach Willingham's recruiting philosophy. Does he want. Because if you if you recruit guys like that, they might talk back to the coach too. They might cause a problem here and there. They might question authority. They might ask why. You know, they might not be a good listener. They, you know, there's problems with athletes like that. And but solely on the kind of players Ty has been bringing in here, and who he's competing against to get them, he either doesn't want to get that kind of elite athlete, or he can't. Or on the rare occasions where he does, he coaches that kind of, or he coaches uh, he, he coaches the playmaking ability out of them. He coaches it out of them because they don't play if they don't toe the line. They just don't. They just don't. Okay, I don't believe that Hasty is as bad as, as people say he is. Okay? I think Hasty has other problems. I think other players on the team aren't seeing the field for reasons that have very little to do with their skills of football. I can't prove any of this. You know, this is just a couple of guys talking and just observing things and, and looking at things and looking at the roster. You know, no, Chris Hempel wasn't the greatest safety in the history of college football, but I think it's fair to say, looking at what he did last year, he's as good or better than we have out there this year, and it would have been nice to have him around for a fifth year, you know? Right. And is I, that not yeah, when reasonable? It, yeah. Millen mentioned that last year about, you know, yeah, I'm in the doghouse, you know, but I'm playing the, you know, the the thing, the implication is that I can play myself out of the doghouse. And I don't know how, you know, 30 tackles against Oregon last year, you would think you'd be out of the doghouse. You know? Well, he was, he was, on, the, he was on the big screen in the highlights from last year's work. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talk about a tin ear to public relations. I mean, one thing that Montlake has proven is they don't have a clue when it comes to reaching their fans. And I guess, you know, I guess they hope they sell a bunch more visiting tickets next year. Um, you know, I, I, we are, you and I are talking here right now, once again, putting ourselves in grave peril 
as if they're not going to a bowl this year, they're not going to win five out of the next six or even four out of the next six, and that this thing is as bad as we're saying it is right now, which is where we were before Arizona State and Oregon when we we started this enterprise and said, boy, we have a real chance of looking like idiots if they go out and beat Arizona State and Oregon. And, and we talked about how the middle and some of the positives, we're looking at those games like, okay, now we need to start winning. Personally, I find myself disappointed that a lot of those people, after losing those games, just use the same excuse they've used before. Oh, well, you couldn't have expected this. You know, it went from, well, most people thought we'd be 2-3 to, well, most people thought we'd be 2-5, and five, you know. But people, people are going to believe what they want to believe. They like Coach Willingham personally. They want him to succeed. They're not willing to jump off the cliff. They're not willing to look at it analytically. They're just, you know, well, you can see the recruiting's improved. Well, no, you can't. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, when the athletic director, the president, and, and a large portion of the fan base are just willing to say, hey, what the heck, you know, we're banging our heads on the wall. Uh, you know, I don't know how large it is. I we are are portrayed as the lunatic fringe, but I've got at least fourteen thousand uh, ex season ticket holders as compatriots, as far as I I'm concerned. And well, I, I think your original number between the twenty five thousand is closer. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really know what the high water mark is, but I know it's at least fourteen thousand and probably quite a bit higher. And and I'm saying you know those guys haven't bought in, and I doubt if they're the lunatic fringe. I think they were just probably more casual fans that just said, hey, you know what? It's not fun anymore. You know, the game day experience isn't fun, and we're not winning. And maybe they're fair-weather fans, but I'm sorry, everyone has those. Every program uh-huh. has those. But there used to be 14,000 more people uh, wanting to see uh, the Huskies play than there are now. So I'm thinking, you know, they're bro- we're brothers in arms with those guys. And now, also, you know, I don't know when you want to talk about the media, but... I think there's been a slight sea change. They're still stopping short of of really um, critiquing him as hard as we do. But there are people out there now that are saying, you know, your body of work here isn't what was expected. You haven't met expectations. Well, you I, know the media will eventually. We might as well talk about them now. The media is always going to look out for the media first, okay? They've been willing to go along with this whole thing. In fact... They partook in last week's assault on the lunatic fringe and the half-brain. You noticed a lot of articles and columns and quotes from Turner that got wide play, you know, talking about guys like us and how unreasonable we are and, you know, marginalizing us. We are just a tiny minority. Everybody knows Ty's doing a great job. They went along with all that and got kicked in the teeth at Oregon. This week, basically, the call seems to be no coverage of the Huskies. Because if they lose to Arizona, I think the media is going to realize, well, we can't sit here and be lapdogs for the University of Washington any longer because people are going to just quit buying the newspaper or reading us because we just totally have zero credibility going along with these clowns. And I, right. you know, and I use that term really quite <laughs> without any in a good way. <laughs> they are clowns, okay? And, you know, people Tyrone Rose. I'm not, I don't think Ty Williams is a clown. I do think Todd Turner is a clown, and I think most of the sycophants that hang around at the Montlake Athletic Department and the Upper Campus are clowns. So sue me. Right. <laughs> we'll go to court and see if you are. Or not. How do you, How do you squander a lead like that? How do you, after ninety one, ninety two, the greatest program in in college football at that time, and 
uh, and Husky Stadium rusted into the lake that whole decade, and now this decade as well. I mean, how do you not capitalize on that? It, I mean, it's just wasn't been a bad gym? decision after another. Huh? Pardon? Wasn't, wasn't that another gem last week when Dan Evans and the committee can't say, hey, there's not one dime raised. What, how are we going to pay for this thing? Todd Turner, fundraiser extraordinaire, right? The guy yeah. who can get it done, the facilities expert. Not one dime. Yeah, there were Three some years. There were some people who were excited about the plan, you know, when he first got hired. Oh man, he's gonna he, he upgraded facilities wherever he's been. So let's see the and you know, by the time he got to presenting it, three years down the line, the interest was nearly gone because the interest in the football team has evaporated largely. And uh you know, that is his responsibility he went for the pizzazz hire and look what we got I mean, i'm sure he did I, this is my, my thinking the day after he announced ty willingham as head coach he went into the ticket office and was absolutely certain that he was going to hear the phones ringing off the hook and probably was amazed at the fact that they were silent and even after the hire they they lost you know eight or nine percent of their of their season ticket holders and then they, and then the subsequent year they they lost another eight or nine percent. So he's as shocked as anybody. Of course, he's shocked at just about everything. He cannot. Oh, yeah, that's, he, that's he's just. Thing he's shocked about. Yeah, he's, he's. I don't think the phones weren't ringing though. I think they were ringing because remember he got defensive right off the bat. I think the phones were ringing, saying, "What the hell did you just do, Mister Turner?" Because yeah. remember the, the internet half brains remark came out within days after Willingham's hire, where. Turner said, well, anyone with half a brain at a computer can criticize this thing. Remember that? I, I, you're right. Like you're right. He, and, and, that's, and that's even more, that, that touches on even a, a, another subject is there's one thing to hire a guy and have a lot of support for that hire. And then if it fails, then, you know, you tip your hat and just some circumstances didn't work out. But to hire him in the face of a lot of negativity uh then you're you've you've positioned yourself to kind of go down with the ship with this guy, you know. There there was a lot of concern up front about this hire, and for those detractors to be proven right. And I'm sorry, you know. Let's we'll have an accounting right now. We have been right. I I hate to gloat, but it's our time to gloat. <laughs> we were right about this guy from the beginning. And if you want, yeah. to, and if you want to tell us that that you know that we're internet half brains and don't and, and can't see the progress of the team, um, there's just no evidence. It's totally a faith based hire. I've talked about that before. Uh, he, I'm sure Todd still believes um, or feels that he's the right man for the job, but but the trends are not looking good. Well, Turner, you know, the handwriting was on the wall before the season started. You know, here we are, year three, and and Turner comes out, okay, the schedule debate's a separate issue, but Turner's spin of the schedule the day before the Syracuse game and his infamous, we can sh- we can show the kind of improvement we need with less wins this year, that's a man who, who on some level understands that his signature hire is a failure and he needs not only save the coach, he needs to save his own rear. And, of course, he's going about and doing it in, a, in, a, in an incredibly stupid way. It would be better, and I, I and I think a lot of fans would have much more respect for him if he'd come out before the Syracuse season and said, hey, it's year three, we've been doing the work, we expect the results, we're going to go out and win some games. Because what's the big deal if you're wrong, you know? 
You're right, going to get canned anyway if we keep losing, right? But maybe you could have inspired a little confidence in the players and the fans. Maybe people like you a little better. Maybe they're going to win. You know, maybe Turner would be vindicated. But, yeah, you're right. Don't call me a half-brain when, when half-brain knew before you hired the guy who Coach Willingham was, and now that we know he is who we thought he was. And we're not going to crown his ass. Exactly. So don't even expect it. <laughs> and, and it touches on that expectation part of it. I mean, it's not that there are low expectations. It's that there are no expectations. We have no guidance, as they would say in the, in the corporate world. We've got no future guidance as to what is acceptable here. Because I guarantee you, if on that press conference, the day he was hired, if Turner would have said, you know, it's a five-year plan, we're going to struggle for three years, we may be able to get to a lower-level bowl uh, on the fourth year, and then maybe win a lower-level bowl on the fifth year, I mean, there would be nobody in, the, in, in all of Huskyland that would have agreed <laughs> with that progress report. I you know, suddenly this one in ten, the, yeah, this one in this isolated season, this one in ten season, you know, he's painting us as if we were Cal, that we had, you know, ten years of losing uh, football before that, and really a, a thirty-year losing program before that. Overall, well, I thought you know what the problem is. He can't paint us as if we were Cal because of Tedford. No, Cal was better than we are. We were worse than Cal. We were we were so bad that we can only be compared to Rutgers, which is one of the worst programs in the history of of college football. Kansas State thinks Rutgers is a bad football program historically, and I know Kansas State over fifteen years has been good, but Rutgers was Kansas State when Kansas State was before Bill Snyder. Kentucky is the second worst team in the Southeastern Conference, second worst only to Todd's old school, Vandy. And who else do we get compared to? I mean, just anybody that's just like the worst program in the history of college football. That's now what that 110 season made us. No, we're not Cal. Heck no, because Cal was able to go 7-5 and five the next year and hasn't had a losing season since that 110 season. We can't be Cal. If we're Cal, then Willingham did something wrong. That's how bad it is. That's yeah, and, how and, bizarre it is. And, and there's another thing here about culpability. Okay, you know, it, it was there was definitely some discontinuity there uh, you know, during the New Heisel firing. But what about accountability? Whose fault was that? You know, it wasn't as if the, it was the coach's fault. In fact, I don't know if it was if it was New Heisel's fault at all. It was an athletic department that didn't have a good a handle on what was legal and what was not. So I can quite, I, you know, I would take, I'll, I would take the news a lot easier if they said, you know, you know, Husky football is, is awful when when Willingham um, inherited it, that the players are bad, the coaching was was in turmoil. But I have a, hard, a lot harder time taking that now when the athletic department was culpable in bringing it down, and so maybe they should take some. Some accountability here, and 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 work double time to build it back up instead of taking this long five year plan. And I still haven't heard any expectation out of the guy. I, you know, as far as we're concerned, if we are four, you know, if we if we're winning four and five games in year five, Turner may think he's worthy of an extension. You know, there's a couple couple quick points on that. We're actually looking at a seven year plan to rebuild from New Heisel seven and six last season here because we had two years of Gilby and now we need to give Ty his full first full five years 
Secondly, even on a five-year plan, and I've had this discussion with some rational posi dogs on, on the Dogtails board, um, that, you know, okay, if I granted that it took five years to, to, to get back to something, whatever, a championship form, okay, if you're looking at year two and a half or, or we're going out to the end of year three and looking ahead to year four, we're not where we need to be for any five-year plan, okay? As, as Todd just said, hey, we're going to get rolling. Okay, we're starting our five-year plan after year three. We're not going to be there by year five. And the other thing, which I wasn't going to bring up, but as long as we're talking about what we were right about, I know you and I and, and, and a few others on that fateful June said, I don't care what the NCAA says. I don't care what anybody says. You fire Rick Neuheisel in June, and you will kill this football program. Who is, who is the poster? I, I, I'm just one of the all-time great posts of all time, and I, I don't know who he was. He, he said, why don't we just re- self-report the death penalty? <laughs> <laughs> remember that? I do remember. But, you know, we didn't have a lot of – we were kind of – we were the Lone Rangers back then, too. You know, and I look at this thing as the same people that hated Rick, that thought it was great to fire him in June just because they did hate him, wanted Gilby, support Ty. I mean, I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, okay, it's a free country. You can have your opinion. I don't hate you for what you think, even though you hate me for what I think. Right. <laughs> but you've been wrong every step of the way, and you're lambasting me for not agreeing with you, and I've been right every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, if we were ever wrong, that it would really help. It would really help their well, case. But, if you we know, were wrong, we'd be hearing about it for the rest of our lives. If, if Washington wins their next six games, we're done. <laughs> well, beautiful. We and we have we have we have they have the proof. We have the audio here. Our work here is done. Yeah, they can they can pull out our little snippets and quote us. Uh, you know, at at forty two minutes twenty six seconds, you said you know that he was never going to turn it around. Neener, neener, neener. Great. Exactly. I, I, I would. I, I'm I, to the point. There's going to be a time when I'm wrong, and uh, I, and and quite frankly, I'm I'm basically tired of being right. <laughs> I don't want to be. Yeah, they, you just want to be right. You just want to say I told you so. Now, so here we are saying I told you so. So they probably think, well, see, we said that. But I never understood. Why would I give up the joy of winning football games, bowl games, uh, a prestigious program that everybody's proud of? That brings me so much joy. Do you actually think that just saying I told you so about how horrible the football program is going to become would bring you that kind of joy? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a real lack of logic and rational thought. Yeah, we, we've but never I mean, wanted to be. We, we we've always maintained that we've always wanted to be wrong. And I I, I think before, I just think moving forward, uh, those guys who were against us that, that thought New Heisel was was the problem. Um, I think there's a third way. Really, uh, you can still think New Heisel was a problem, and also think Ty is not the solution. So I want to I, I want a Big Ten. <laughs> You know, no, I, I I agree with that. I try to say that, it, it, you know, it, it just everything gets simplified. But I I made a post this week because you know the Oregon loss was so bad that people had to start blaming New Heisel again. That's how bad that loss was. <laughs> and, and I made the point that okay, Rick was soft, right? Well, we found out that Willingham doesn't tackle in practice. In fact, until last week, they didn't even wear full pads except for one day a week. Okay, if you had said that about Rick Neuheisel, you know what? Neuheisel doesn't tackle in practice. They don't even wear pads. People would 
he's ruined Huskies. He's not Huskies. He doesn't know anything about Huskies. This guy's horrible. When Ty does that, not a word. Yeah, it's Just that whole thing about, about how uh, only new high school was. Yeah, it's that whole thing about only Nixon could go to China. If you can, con- if you confirm the stereotype, then you get hammered. So New Heisel came in, and he just looked like a soft guy, and he was, obviously he's he's gonna have, yeah. he was going to have a soft team. And when it happened, then everyone piled on him. Here we got Ty, who supposedly uh, is a tough guy and, and fields tough teams, and then your critique of his toughness two weeks ago was devastating. It was unbelievable. And, in fact, I think I'm going to use that as a little promo, that, that little snippet about what is a tough team. Um, Ty is every bit as soft as, as Neuheisel, if not more. Well, the teams are much softer now. Uh, they, they just are. They, you know, I don't, I don't uh, players, I don't think players quit. And, and I want to reiterate what I said a couple weeks ago. You have to be tough to play Division One college football. You have to be tough to go to practice every day. A day like today, you're out there. Practice. You're a tough guy, okay? These guys are tough. They're not quitters by nature. They're competitive. They're competitors. But yet, somehow, some way, every week, they find a way to give it up in the second half and give the appearance of quitting. And I don't think, and I think it is the appearance of quitting. I think it's more of a, well, hell, we're over our heads. We, you know, everything the coaches told us isn't working. What do we do? Yeah, you know? and there's a, and again, there can be something less than quitting. When you look at the Oregon players who look over to the sidelines and they're getting instructions from their coaches, their coaches and those and those instructions actually work, then that builds some confidence in the players themselves. When you have a middle linebacker or a safety looking over to the sidelines asking for help, what do we need to do? And they just continually get gashed for huge yardage. There's a point where they may not say it publicly, but they have little faith in what the staff is teaching them. And so, you know, my some of these guys, I'm sure, are real good football minds, but it, that's only part of the equation. I have no doubts that, that Bear understands defense, but that's only part of the equation. The other part is be able to translate that and teach that in the very compressed amount of time that you have. And if you can't uh, convey complex topics simply uh, and in a real uh, short amount of time, you're not going to be a good football coach in, in, at the college level. And and so I I don't know if they're quitting, but you can I almost you know I don't know if I'm certain, but I'm pretty confident that they've lost faith in what the coaches are telling them because time and time and time again it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Well, yeah, they, you know when the coaches every week are saying, well, you know the players didn't execute the plan. They're basically saying we had great plans that weren't executed. Well. And like you just said, you could turn that around and say, well, you're not teaching the plan. They're not executing it. Right. And that touches on, you know, I, I mention Erickson all the time, a real simple base defense. And in his interviews, and these were back in the um, uh, Oregon State days, is that he would just run that same defense and then run it again and again and again. And he'd just start running it faster and faster and faster and faster. And pretty soon, you know, his teams just seemed unbelievably fast. Uh, they play fast because they practice fast. Our, right. our, our guys are, that. yeah, our guys, you know, they got personnel groupings around their heels. They got all these different, you know, we're doing 3-4, we're doing 4-3, we're dropping the end in the coverage. We're doing all these kinds of things that are 
that, you know, really are, it's a complex defense. For the short amount of practice time, you, you wonder if that's the right way to go. Well, they say, they say Huskies need more speed. They say Erickson's teams play fast and have speed. That's exactly what the problem is there. If you don't know what you're doing, you're not going full speed. You're thinking. If you're thinking, you're not reacting. You're not acting. You're not moving. You're thinking. And, that, and, and that's while an- you're thinking, you're getting ear holed. And that's another thing that, that's really problematic for the staff is the preseason discussions about our front seven how it's faster than it's ever been before and that they're very good. And, you know, people like Cesar Rayford, we can't block him in practice. We've got E.J. Savannah. He's going sideline to sideline. You know, I have no doubts that those guys are incredibly talented. They're just not playing fast. And by the time, you know, when E.J. goes to to the wrong gap for the umpteenth time and the tailback goes for 80 yards – you know, he's becomes a basket case, questioning is he understanding what's going on or what his responsibilities are. It's just not a real, seems to be a real good grasp of what they're doing because it's always a handful of plays, breakdowns. Well, that's not, that didn't really happen in Oregon, did it? I and mean, it wasn't a breakdown on just five plays. It was a breakdown on every play or just, I don't know if it was a breakdown, but just a fundamental lack of intensity or understanding of what needed to be done to stop that offense which is strange yeah, because we're running some parts of that offense you think we know a little bit how to recover the pitch guy or you know <laughs> didn't you write today that uh, other teams haven't had a whole lot of trouble figuring out how to stop our spread offense <laughs> exactly and, <laughs> and, and, and you know all these excuses and we touched on it earlier but you know the excuses that come up there are some good teams that we played but are we holding them uh, lower in their offensive points and their offensive yardage relative to the other teams on their schedule because not every other team uh, is playing a top you know 10 schedule like we are so there's all you can use as a baseline is saying hey okay we've got a tough schedule so when we do face these good teams are we slowing them down more than what their other teams they played and you know with almost without exception they're always having their best game against us I mean, so this whole schedule thing, again, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You have ways of measuring whether things are on the right track or not. Yeah, we have a, a, a tough schedule, but but we we need to be able to perform better than relatively than the other teams that are facing these opponents, and we are simply not. Let's look at it this way. Or Washington play nine, like it would be eight common opponents. And then they play each other. They both play nine Pac-10 games, right? Right. Um, our non-conference schedule, as usual, was a tad tough. It was only because Michigan was down. I mean, they played at Michigan, and we played. We had Ohio State at home. So, in most years, you would actually say that Oregon Washington had a similar schedule, almost almost identical. And yet, all the talk is about Washington having the toughest schedule in the country. We're in ninth place. And none of the talk is about how tough Oregon's schedule is while they're in first place. And it's the same schedule. Right. And my problem with the schedule excuse from day one, it's only a tough schedule because we're a lousy football team. Right. It was a, back when we were at the top, back 10, the teams at the bottom had the tough schedule because they had to play us. Right. And, 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 and those fans are the ones that complained about the schedule. So, you, uh, it's so it's so predictable, and it's not just limited to 
to this staff, but almost every losing staff is, you know, they come into the season with some optimism, and then they just start, when things aren't going well, then, you know, one of the big excuses is always the tough schedule, you know, and then they start throwing players under the bus, which we've now kind of seen just at early stages. I wonder if it'll get any worse. Hopefully they've learned their lesson. I don't, and I remember, and then you know things are really bad when um, a player at a post-game press conference, you know, out of context, starts pumping up the coach as if they were prepped to do that. And I remember Lambright had players that appeared to be doing that for him. I remember Mighty Mouse just totally out of context saying, "We have a great staff here." <laughs> so, well, listeners, beware if you have if, if you have a. Um, if you've got a a player being interviewed at the end of the game and he's he, and he mentions how great the staff is, uh, you, you kind of wonder where he's getting fed that information. And it's not just that not Lambright's era, but just you you see that throughout college football. Well, let's look at a couple things. Um, we know that now. I think probably since James, the players right after the game they go into the big meeting room. I've been in it. It's it's right off the tunnel. You come off the field and just you know not even ten yards up the tunnel. There's a big meeting room to the left as you're leaving the field where every player can sit in and and they all go in there and the coaches talk to them before they ever get anywhere near the media or anybody else and they and and that's a cooling off period and it is a chance for a coach to say you know let's let's talk about this let's not say you know our next team's a bunch of idiots that we're going to guarantee victory over you know that kind of stuff (laughs) but we also we also know willingham has a very strong control over his team he threatens them with pulling their scholarship and with pulling their playing time so if Coach Willingham says to the players, I want to hear this out of you in the interviews and I better not hear this, I'm going to think that 99% of them are going to go along with that because they want that fifth year and they'd like to see the field occasionally. So I think it's very true, and I don't think Willingham's probably alone in that. I just think he's probably one of the big practitioners of that, and and they're going to pump him up for that reason. And I forget what my second point was, so carry on. <laughs> that's that's fine. I, I I'm just trying to... Uh, alert listeners to what is ahead should they should the team continue to to lose what they can expect and, oh and, that and, reminds me um the kid that, that left this week the defensive lineman uh Derek Kosip quit the team um this was a Ty Willingham recruit uh lightly recruited by other people uh I think our competition was maybe Nevada he's a Nevada kid he was big in the state of Nevada but we you know they don't have any population but this is, you know, when he came here, if, if you complained that he was low-rated or unknown or, or other Pac-10 schools didn't want him, you would have gotten the, no, this is a Ty Willingham guy. He's he's a diamond in the rough. He wants to play. He wants to be a Husky. He's he's a character guy. He's Ty's kind of guy. Well, here he is, a redshirt freshman, and he quits. Okay, guys quit football teams, right? But, I mean, to me, that's that's a that's a red flag there, okay? And why did he quit? Well, he and the coaches aren't on the same page. Okay, if you can't get a hungry kid who's just thrilled to get a Pac-10 scholarship and comes to your school, if you you can't reach him already, his second year in the program, he's already had it with the coaches. Okay, isolated incident, fine. You know, we'll see. But it's just another little thing to keep your eye on. Yeah, it's all we do is read tea leaves here. We don't have any inside information. If there are people out there who do have inside information – We'd be happy to hear it. <laughs> well, and they know as it turns out, putting one to one together and two and two together, uh, there was a rather obscure post buried in a thread on Dogtails last Friday where Derek Gossip's roommate posted, 
what Derek thought about Husky football. And if you read that, whoa. <laughs> Who, who's roommate? Not fill me in again, because I, I didn't read that. See, most people missed it. It was it it was uh, Husky fan seventy seven. Not the Husky fan seventy seven that that is that always posts. It, or it's Husky seventy seven. He's roommates with with uh, with Kosov, as it turns out. So last Friday he posts, you know, well, I'm roommates with a Thai recruit, and he's not very happy with what's going on out there. That's all he said on the first one. And someone said, well, what's, what's he say? This was in the middle of the thread, right? It wasn't even a whole new thread. And, and the guy goes, uh, okay, well, here's what he said. He bullet points it, right? And down the list, you know, bears this, uh, Tormy's that, nobody, you know, they roll their eyes when Thai trash inspire them. You know? and, well, it turns out that was Kosa. Right. <laughs> that he was quoting. I remember I remember shopping at the Gap in uh, at Northgate and listening and and I think Ben Bando was was working at the Gap there and uh, now everyone knows where I have shopped in the past. I don't go there often, but I did on this occasion. And he wasn't talking to me, but I was overhearing him about how much similar situation, not with Ty, but with with Gilby. So I mean, there why we don't get these. With this kind of information age, why these things can remain hidden for as long as they have is is kind of uh, bewildering. You would think that these types of secrets wouldn't be able to be held for very long. Yeah, but. because people have an understanding that anytime you get 85 to 100 individuals together, there's going to be a, a wide variety of opinion. And it's hardly unusual. I mean, the most beloved, greatest football coach in America is going to have some guys on his team that don't like him. Okay. So you, you you know that you understand that that doesn't mean that you don't let them tell their stories. I mean, you're right. This is the information age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to give us a tip, and we'll we might, we can remain anonymous. I, I just set up an email called uh, huskyhalfbrains at comcast dot net. How's that? That's with that's brains with an S. Just give us a little inside information. We'd we'd love to pass it on. Because that's what we're here for. <laughs> well, you know what? It's the thing. What, what's good about us is that we don't just take read one tea leaf. I mean, we'll read the whole spectrum, and then you can slowly build a case, pro or con, on this guy. Because there's not a lot of information out there right now. And, you have uh, to read tea. Hey, look! After the first two games of the year, my tea leaves were saying, "Fat city baby bowl, here we come! It's turned around. We're going to recruit." You know, it's great. Look, I'm. I'm looking for the good tea leaves, you know. If you got that out there, we want that too. We're not asking for dirt. We're asking for anything. Yeah. Information. Well, there was a similar. Yeah, there was a similar post uh, today on Dog Tales about a, a fan who was falling behind two defensive players, and was saying some of the same things about Ty in terms of bewilder. Uh, not not Ty, but Bear bewilderment about why we were doing this and it never worked. Why are Why are they telling us to do that and and as I read more tea leaves, I, I, I read some, some comments by Gunheim saying, you know, about trust and, and how frustrated he is. And I wonder if there's a, a point where, where they're going to mutiny and just do what they want to do, because it can't be any worse, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and part, part of that, what Gunheim said is that they do mutiny during the game. They do what they want to do. They, they leave their precious stuff to help somebody else or follow the ball or this or that. And, you know... If you have a complicated defensive system that you haven't taught properly and nobody understands in the first place, and then they start winging it <laughs> and ad-libbing during the game, you see a lot of stuff of what we've seen this year. 
to me, this Arizona game, and here we are in the same trap. No, no, this is the game. But I, I, I'll just say this about the Arizona game. Mike Stoops and Ty Willingham have similar records. Stoops has one more year. They both lost a whole lot of games. Stoops has a more impressive winning resume, beating Cal and Oregon last year, and, and you know, which is, is pretty good. Uh, but both are, well, Stoops is on the hot seat. We won't admit up here that Ty is on the hot seat. Okay. You've got two teams, two and five, going nowhere with coaches that may or may not have their respect. Okay. You don't want to be the loser of this team Saturday because then you're the coach that couldn't be the crummy team that was your best chance for a victory who is, who was crumbling, whose coach is bad, you know, on the hot seat. Either, either way it goes. It's not a pretty picture for the loser. I, I'm convinced that Stoops loses. If he's not fired already, he will be fired if he loses three straight to Washington. Okay. If William loses to Stoops, well, Arizona probably had more talent than we do, and it needs five years before we can have Yeah, and, and Stoops had four years. So, yeah, he got fired, but he at least got his fourth year. But I, I think he had a better record, so maybe he earned that fourth year. And then secondly, Arizona doesn't have the expectation. There's that word again that we do. So... I mean, I just don't see, I'll go out on a limb. The guy doesn't deserve a fourth year. Ty doesn't. And I'm nearly certain we're not going to go to a bowl game. Okay, people, got that? Got your audio editors? You can play that again. When we go to the to the lower tier bowl, you can play it against me and, and tell me I'm an idiot. But we were mentioning about jury selection <laughs> or jury deliberation in our last show. And the verdict, you know, if it hasn't been read, but... <laughs> Uh, the jurors aren't having any eye contact with <laughs> the defendant. <laughs> I mean, it, in my mind, it, it is, he, the guy does not deserve a fourth year. Does he get it? I don't know. There, there's another, another interesting, uh, little tidbit that we hear, uh, from a, a, a national rag about, uh, a booster that is on record that says, well, um, that Turner says that Ty will get his fifth year and that all the boosters are on board, but, they say they say if you give him the fifth year and it, and we don't and aren't successful at that point, you're fired along with him. So the pressure is, or the decision is, three years and more, and keep your job, or cast your lot with Willingham and five years and then be out of work. And I, I, well, I you know, and I, I know that sounds like a like a real kind of wishful thinking story, but then I'm start I start to think. Boosters are business guys, and those are the type of ultimatums that business people will articulate. Okay, we'll let you, we'll let you go with your guy, but here's the stakes here. If it fails, right. you're gone. So make well, sure I mean, you're right. I would, look at, I would tell a manager like Turner, like, okay, Todd, how could you possibly analyze this situation after three years, the three recruiting classes, the losses, and the lukewarm recruiting class in progress now, there is no reason for a fourth year or a fifth year. Okay, I'll say the same thing. You know, mark the tape here, too. There is no reason for a fourth year. To turn around the people that said, if you can't see the improvement, you just don't want to see it, I will say, if you can't see the reason for no fourth year, you don't want to see it. And I, and I believe that is the issue. People don't want to see it. For some reason, there's this whole idea now that, Gosh, firing a coach is like the worst thing you can do. Well, no, it happens every day, happens every year. I mean, we fired a few of them here. Stability versus winning. I mean, stability never wins out. 
and it historically doesn't work. It's one of those things that sounds good. The kids need stability. The kids need stability. What they don't need is stability and losing. That's what they don't need. Because then, well, you... my good friend, my good friend, Coach Baird, who I, I've only met once. He's not actually a good friend, but I like Coach Baird. I know a lot of people. He irritates them so bad they, they, you know, they really rip him. I will never rip Coach Baird. I appreciate everything he's ever done for the Huskies. And heck, I appreciate how optimistic he is. I don't understand it. I can't agree with it. But I gotta admire a guy that has that rosy of an outlook on things. But he's here. He is talking about. Well, you know, Arizona and UW are both two five, two and five because UW fired Lambo and Arizona fired Tommy in the late nineties. It's like, coach, come on. <laughs> you know, at least you're not blaming Rick. <laughs> I mean, it, didn't, it doesn't make any sense. But that's another thing, listeners, to be aware of. Be wary of. Don't ever believe what an, a coach or a former coach says about any coach because there is a pretty tight fraternity. And, uh, they will never. They, they know how bad it is to be fired. Yeah, they will never say. And they, and they won't. So I mean, I I guarantee you, if somebody asked Don James how how, how the program is and how Ty's doing, he would say, you know, that you know the talent's just not there. He's doing the best he can with what's there. Uh, you know, stay the course because that is the coach speak. Anywhere yeah. around the country, it's the same. You know, and I'm sure that's if you asked him about Tom Homo or you talked about Paul Hackett, all our, our two great crowning examples of, of getting rid of stability. Um, you know, the truth is, and it's sad to say, um, that you recycle these guys until you find one that sticks. Oklahoma did it. Uh, Texas has done it. Uh, you know, what they, what those teams did, USC, what those teams did is they didn't accept uh, the trend, the downward trend, for five years. It just wasn't going to happen. Well, here's where we're sitting here. It's almost as if the football gods, so I can offend the religious people, or <laughs> God, so I can offend the unreligious people, has said, look, we have heard your plea, we have seen your pain, we know your suffering, here's Jim Mora. <laughs> you know, all you have to do is make a tough call this year. He won't be here next year. He won't be here after year five. Okay? You guys have sucked for years. You have no enthusiasm. You have no momentum. You have no buzz. You have no win. Here's your answer. Will you take it? That's exactly right. And then I'll, I'll play a little bit of the um, Jim Mora theme song. And as you can get a, a little bit of a, maybe get some liquid in you. And take a, a sip of beer or whatever you're drinking. If he brings you happiness, then I wish you a little bit of Freddie Fender. It's your happiness that matters. Can you imagine? Um, this is the conversation he's having with Todd Turner. But if he ever <laughs> breaks your heart. If the teardrop ever starts, I'll be there before the next teardrop falls. Okay, I'll quickly get that out of here. <laughs> hey, and just one yeah, last thing. Well, no, but what you're saying is a good play. Now, the time, and just to set the record straight one more time, I heard, I happened to be listening when Maura talked to Hugh and Softy, and he said, three or four times after Ty wins a bunch of Rose Bowls and when he wants to leave Washington, if they called 
okay? He said that time after time. Now, I want you guys to understand, this is after Ty wins a bunch of Rose Bowls and wants to leave Washington, ready to retire if they call me. You know, because that's turned around to, we went after Ty's job. We'd never hire a guy like that. Right. Okay, I'm just setting the record straight. Yeah, he, 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 was very, he was much more political than that, but I think we all knew what he meant. And, uh, you know, I, he's, he's there. And the only thing that we can't do is lowball him like, like Notre Dame did with um, Urban Meyer and piss him no, you off. you got to make the commitment. Yeah, yeah you got to make the and, and And right now, I'm so fatigued at the fight. I mean, I'm, I wanna, I'm, we're going to do this, obviously. I don't know how often we're going to do this, but... We're going to do it more often. We're going to do it more often. It looks like maybe once a week at the most, but maybe once every two weeks at the least. Um, I'm... I'm I'm for the revolution. You say we're what are we we're Mao in the in the in the mountains right now? Yeah. For all of our non communist friends, that's a that's just a well, I don't know what they we're not really communists, but we're Mao in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just hope we're not, you know, like uh, Chief Joseph in the Wallawa Mountains or or, yeah, I will. Or, I will fight no more forever. <laughs> yeah, or that's maybe, what God wants. <laughs> exactly. He wants. To, I just think, chin up, uh, race. I I really believe um, that those fourteen thousand at least lost season ticket holders are our compatriots, and then we've got a lot of people on our side more than you think. I mean, if if the podcast. Uh, response is any indication as it was pulling huge amounts of data from our servers here. Huge amounts of bandwidth was going out for that whole weekend and into the, the week following the Arizona State. And that was something that was just a lark. Um, here, you know, we're going over an hour again, but that's okay. Um, here, we're, uh, we're probably going to do it more often. We're going to get more people on our side. And I don't really believe that there's that many people against us anyway. I, I always think about, you know, the, the kind of uh, public opinion, how it changes throughout time. You know, the, I hate to bring up one of my heroes, but, you know, there was a time when, when the Earth was the center of the universe, and a guy by the name of Copernicus said that, no, the sun was the center, and, and that it, it revolved, and he was a heretic. And now, yeah, you can still you can still find people out there who believe the Earth is flat, but they're so on the lunatic fringe that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're marginalized to a huge degree. And I, I think now, as a lot of those positives have come over to our side, the only people left, uh, at least from my, my perspective, are the lunatics and maybe Todd Turner. I mean, there's, um, there is a heck of a lot more people on our side now ready to, you know, charge the castle than there were just two weeks ago. Now, uh, it's a fickle thing. It, it could turn on us after a win in Arizona, you know, uh, and I hope we win and I hope they all turn on us and call us idiots again. But um, this whole well, notion that... William, one thing Coach William is going for himself is people like him personally. Uh, and he doesn't really try to get people to like him. He doesn't work at it. He doesn't talk a lot. He's not out... Yeah, but, even that's a bunch, yeah, but that's, a, you know, that's a little bit BS too because, uh, you know, that opening... Um, that opening press conference when he was introduced, he really said something that really got everyone behind him. That a husky is a vicious animal. Where the hell is our vicious animal? I was well, I, I was promised a vicious animal. 
<laughs> you know, but where I mean, the hell is the vicious for, animal? That gives him capital. That that gives him a chance with a few wins to get a lot of people back on his side because that you know people were anxious to get rid of Rick because they didn't like him personally and he had off field issues. Everything was magnified and the press reported everything on him. Ty's are quiet. You don't get a lot of press on the Huskies. You don't get a lot of press on the on Ty. He's just he's the man on the sidelines. People are proud to have him as the face of the program. Um, yeah, all these losses are wearing down even his supporters. There's no question about that. But they're ready to come back and ready to believe if he can do it. I mean, it, it is all out there for him. I say this all the time. It, even right now, it's still on the table for Ty, but you got to win some football games. Right. Talk isn't going to get it done. But he's not, you know, it, but he's not playing with house money anymore. And no. He, he spent all that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, if he wins five out of six, which is, I think, the minimum requirement, I mean, we have to go to a bowl. If we don't go to a bowl, then I think it's a failure. And then I still will stand by the fact, and I'm going to say it. I'm not going to just say, you know, like everyone else in the Seattle media, the ones that I can almost give them an honorary half brain who are to the point of saying that he needs to be fired after three years but just stop short. I'd say, you know, that this guy needs to be fired if, uh, if he doesn't win uh, five out of six. I would agree. I think we're at our 70-minute mark, aren't we? <laughs> we are at our 70-minute mark. And, and, you know, as all I, we didn't talk about Emmert, but my, my thing with him is, um, you know, if he truly believes that uh, the football team is the front porch of the university, he needs to grow, uh, grow a pair here because right now the front porch uh, it's not looking too good. It's got a you know a worn out couch, a discarded toilet, <laughs> and in the well, front yeah. yard there's a rusted out small block Chevy or something. His uh, silence could speak volumes. I, I think so. I mean, those he's are... being quiet and letting it play out, and he's going to drop the hammer. Or his silence could mean that he's giving it to Todd, and but, and it's up to Todd. But you know what? If for me to make everything right in the universe, uh, I have to believe that he is a silent assassin that he's not going to, just from a pure financial standpoint, you do $14,000, I mean, 14,000 season tickets at 500 bucks a piece, you know, that's $7 million a year at the minimum that this guy is losing. There's a bunch of guys, there's a bunch of fans ready to come back to this program in mass uh, should uh, Mora be, be, I mean, he, you know, he'd pay for himself on paper overnight. The, the firing and the buyout, if you really looked at it and, and did it, just the simple math, however much we need to pay buyout tie, which would probably, maybe three million, I don't know, plus whatever we would pay uh, more, a couple million a year. I know it's not my money, but, but just the revenue from, from the increased fan base alone, uh, it pencils out people. We're losing seven million a year minimum because minimum. of these guys. Uh, minimum. Because of these guys, and um, and and you, you you know you obviously that's every year that's not just a one time cost and I bet you that seven million dollars would really help in any kind of, of stadium upgrade and then before we leave you know all these disinterested you know Uber wallets or you know Opus Day Tai or you know that that level of Tai that's above the purple Tai um, I those guys I just know they would come back too. I, I just know that the wallets would open, but nobody is going to buy into uh, a program that's cratering. They want something tangible. They want they want some real uh, success on the football field before they buy into a, uh, this regime 
that at this juncture, juncture, and it's not even an early juncture, it really looks like it is a failure. 30 games is a, is a big sample set when you've won nine of them. Yeah, and, and the thing about the 30 games is that he wasn't hired as a, as a coordinator. Um, he wasn't brought, he has, he's not only fighting that, but he's fighting his past. And, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. so he's got, you know, you cannot just take the first 30 games at face value. You know, at least Mike, is it Mike Stoops, I always get, he, at least that was his first head coaching job. He didn't right. have a history of failure or not failure, but just uninspired football before. He, you know, not like a Makovic who's a horrible hire or, or some of these, these other retreads. And we'll, you know, I, I could go on for another half hour talking about retreads, what a real retread is. Um, yes. but, um, we probably don't have time. Well, maybe we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, let's do this again next week. Let's, let's do this know, next week. Make a yeah. note. Make a note. And we'll pick it up at retread. And then, of course, okay. uh, Husky Half Brains at Comcast.net. If you got uh, any anything for us, um, drop us a line. Uh, I'll be I'll be checking it. And then we have we've registered a domain um, as well. Whether we do anything with that, it's I don't know. It, this Just thing for a website coming to a town near you soon, but also. Dogman.com, message boards, free board, pay board, the only place to discuss Husky football. That's the only place we'll be discussing Husky football with our fellow fans. But we do hope to have the podcast and the blogs to give you our views and flip them upon you yeah, and, at a different and, location than Dogman because it's not fair for Dogman to be painted with our brush. Exactly. That we, we are not affiliated with them at all. Um, we... We are, we want to add value to that franchise instead of detract from it. Um, we won't go into competition with them. We won't charge you for recruiting. We're never going to have a message board. That's not us. We're we're in a different. We have our own evolutionary branch, a different direction we're going to go. And so I we, I want to make sure that everyone knows that even if we do start our own website that it will not be in direct competition with those guys because those guys are the gatekeeper. They're great. I mean, it's yep. been a great, it's one of the great sites, uh, football sites around, and it's where we've we've met and where a lot of good people I've met from that board. Um, it's just um, something that we don't ever want to diminish. Exactly. 